Welcome to the War is Everything podcast, where we share scripture, discuss the Christian metal scene and music, and help promote lesser-known bands. I'm Zachariah. And I'm Hunter. And we are your hosts. Today's scripture comes from 2 Timothy 2, and it's 22 to the end, and it says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, sorry, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Good start. Only two two times you stumbled. I know. It's it's worse. And the thing is, I'm not even that tired this time, so I don't know what's going on. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Hopefully that was a little more enthusiastic. So, Dustin, that one was for you, even if I screwed up a thousand times. I mean, I feel like we should. I mean, I know, I know you're predisposed to certain theologies, so I understand that uh, some of the scripture reading is a little monotone and boring. But can you get out of the John MacArthur stuff, please? Can we just get a little bit more excited <laughs> about scripture reading? You know, I actually talked to my pastor about this. It was kind of funny. He said that uh, in his seminary, granted this was a Concordia, so it's a Lutheran seminary. Okay. Uh, yeah. That uh, the professor that oversaw chapel said that they didn't need to read emphatically or anything like that because the scripture had so much power already that it wasn't worth adding the human element or whatever to it. And I was just like... If God didn't want that human element to it, then he would have just like, I don't know, sky dropped it, you know, like Dropbox, yeah. you know, yeah. like Call of Duty kind of style. Exactly. The care Bible package into, scriptures. Yeah. Just here like you go. A, I got a five soul streak, so I get a yeah. care package of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what, the human, what is the Moab? What's 35 souls before you lose one? Like, <laughs> like can we make it that evangelically cringe, uh, cringy? If you that's can get, like a guarantee into heaven. Yeah. Like, that's automatic. <laughs> If you get 35 souls, you get to know who wrote Hebrews. So. Oh, okay. But, okay. Well, I know, there's the challenge. According to the guy that wrote the Passion Translation, uh, he is going to be adding John chapter 22. So you can't see my face, but it ain't yeah. good. <laughs> so um, Keebler's back. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's Again, uh, here I am, yeah. guys. Honestly, and after talking with Keebler about this, we're kind of going to have these episodes that, you know, are topical episodes, and we've had them before, that are, are less of the interview and more of just the, the talking about stuff, because that's what faith is. There's a lot more to it than just interviewing people. I mean, hearing their testimonies is absolutely fantastic, yeah. and Keebler had one of the best of them. So, um, But that being said, this is kind of the... Uh, affectionately named the topic is everything kind of episode thanks to Keebler. So, cause the topics really yeah. are everything. We they just really talk are, about yeah. anything. So, yeah. so uh, I'm actually going to let Keebler take over a lot of this episode because, uh, concerning the, uh, content, it's going to be something that Zachariah and I can talk about, but, uh, Keebler has a better, uh, thought on it. And actually after talking with him, he has some ideas that he really wanted to express through that, uh, content. So I'll let him take over at least this introing of it. Well, uh, I guess to uh, preface uh, what I'm going to talk about, I have to give the audience a little bit of a backstory, more so than what I gave them before. So um, 
to start off, we are going to talk about some pretty sensitive issues, and I, I want to lay the groundwork um, that um, regardless of how you sexually identify, you are welcome in my home. You are, if you need food, I will feed you. If you need help, I will help you. You are loved and cherished. And um, I know the pain. So, um, so from early on in life, I was um, uh, viciously molested uh, by two individuals. One was my, one of my brothers, um, because I forgive him and I love him dearly. And he has, thank God, received the Lord and is living a wonderful life. Um, well, better than he was. Um, I'm not going to name him. The other one, I do not have a problem naming him. It was Pastor John Clifton of the United Methodist Church in Durand, Michigan. Um, First Congregational Church. Um, and uh, both both of those people molested me um, often for several years. Um, and uh, Pastor John, which I'm just going to call him John. He doesn't deserve that title. Um, I was not his only victim, and he still has not been caught for it. For it, but um, and I won't turn him in for my end of it, but because uh, it was so many years ago. But he came to my parents' house, and uh, we live right next door. I mean, our houses were. I mean, I can. I used to hawk loogies on his kitchen window. That's from my bedroom window. That's how close we were. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he would invite me over for Latin lessons with a group of people, and slowly that became. Um, more of his uh, sexual desires fulfilled, not in the way that you might think. He was, he was more of what would be called exploratory molestation. Um, and so he would do things like, uh, uh, give me 50 bucks for cleaning his house absolutely naked while, while he followed me around the house, uh, or doing push-ups or um, sh shaving stuff like that. Like it was, it was still traumatic nonetheless. So, uh, to move on from that, um, and I will not get into what happened with my brother It is too graphic and I do not want an explicit mark, explicit mark on this podcast. Um, so, uh, then puberty hit. And, uh, so my first sexual encounters were with the same sex. And, uh, so I developed an attraction through that. I associated the two um, as one and inwardly identified either as bisexual or homosexual, but did not tell uh, really anyone about it. Uh, most people didn't know. I think one person know, knew the whole time, um, which would be my other brother, and he didn't know how to process it either. So I, I went through most of middle school like that. By the time 15, almost 16 came around, um, I had uh, a lot had spawned from that. So those of you who are listening to this who have dealt with uh, being sexually assaulted, raped, or molested in any of those places. Um, you know the confusion and the pain, uh, the intense interruption to your thought life and your psyche that comes along with that. Um, so I was dealing with that, and it got to a point where I said, okay, God, because I was a Christian the whole time, not really doing much about it, but sometimes I would fail in that. And um but it came to a point where I said, okay, God, if you're real, uh, I need you to take this. And this is not the pray away the gay conversion camps that we saw that Catholics did or, or largely evangelical churches did. And some worked, some didn't. But, uh, you know, in Matthew, it says some of these things won't leave unless fasted and prayed over. And so I just asked him to change my identity um, that I thought I was. I said, if you're real, then I need you to take this attraction 
uh, and I need you to replace it with how you designed things. And he did. Um, and I, it didn't happen immediately. It happened over the course of probably, if I have to give it a time frame, possibly a year. Um, but that was myself walking with the Lord. And, uh, and so I did end up being healed by that. And the end result of all of that is I was able to not only walk out of a possible lifestyle of homosexuality, but um, I was able to also walk out and forgive um, my, my aggressors and the people who had sinned against me in my, my flesh as a boy who took my innocence. Um, so that is why I want to talk about this stuff today, um, not just the LGBTQ, homosexuality, molestation, whatever it might be, but uh, um, also sexual uh, misconduct, um, how to handle a healthy sexual desire. Um, God's given it to you. So it is a good thing. So we're going to, that's how I want to set the ground up for this. I'd like to just uh, not add, but uh, reiterate even from our side that uh, Zachariah and I, I, I feel like I can speak for Zachariah on this, but uh, equally the same in the anybody is welcome in our home. Obviously, we don't approve of certain things because the Bible is truth. And it says, you know, certain people will not inherit. the, And that's not even talking about sexual. That's everything. So uh, but that does not allow us to not afford grace to those people. So mm-hmm. we absolutely would uh, be willing to help those people out, even even given whatever current sins or past sins. So, Yeah, agree. Amen. So um, honestly, guys, I, I would like to just continue this. Uh, would you guys mind praying real quick and then uh, get going? Yeah, Dive absolutely. Into um, so, all right. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for, for you. And we thank you for all the times you say yes and all the times you say no. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fall on us and, and give us wisdom. Lord, you say if we ask for wisdom and we lack it, that you would give it to us graciously. So that's what I ask for. And God, I pray for uh, peace for all of our listeners. And I pray that they would open their hearts and that, God, that you would make us useful um, and that this would be iron sharpening iron. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Um, I don't have too much to say um, really about homosexuality. I think um, so many people have been, uh, we've seen the picket signs. We've seen the, yep. uh, the Christians using cuss words on signs to promote repentance. Um, and we've seen people scream and yell and rally against uh, homosexuals in such a way that it is not effective. Uh, for the kingdom of heaven. So to anyone, whoever listens to this, doesn't matter if this is listened to in 2072, um, if you have been hurt by someone in the church poking their finger down your throat and not sharing the love of God with you, the love of Christ, I'm sorry. On behalf of everyone. Uh, so the truth is, is the gospel message is, is that Jesus... God in flesh came to this earth to die on the cross to pay for your sin so that you might have a way back to the Father. It's really simple. And, and so things that he says that might be wrong, we should listen. And there's grace for struggle. I once heard um, a young man preaching at a conference. He goes, I am not gay, but from, from time to time, I struggle with a homosexual attraction. Um, he was still struggling. So there's grace for struggle. 
Um, so I, I just want to encourage you, those who are dealing with this and crying out to the Lord to keep crying, to keep, to keep moving forward. I've been through it. I've walked through it. Um, and my inbox on any social media platform is open. So, um, but it does say that it is wrong. So let's not say that the progressive pastors of this world um, are right in their theology or their interpretation of said scripture because they are not correct. Um, and it is not to steal something away from you. And it is not to take away your fun necessarily. Um, but it is to make you in right standing with the father. And, and there is a way out. There is. And I know that some of you are here by the same reasons that I'm here, that I was there at one point. Um, so I understand not only in theory, but in the physicality of it all. So. Yeah. I think working off of the premise that we understand that it's not, it's not Christ-like. That's one of the biggest things because the Bible is the story of Christ. Yes. So as we, as we look at the scriptures to tell us what we want to do, we should never see any of our personal desires reflected in it unless that's reflective of God himself. The moon reflecting the sun, yeah. Yep. So uh, so off of that basis, you know, because we don't want to sit here and just, you know, on that specifically. Right. I think the first thing that would be great to touch on mm -hmm. um, would be purity culture. Okay. And uh, how that's, that's shaped the modern world. And I think it's really pushed a lot away. Um especially concerning the uh, the people who struggle with either uh, homosexual or otherwise attraction. I think yeah. the, the purity culture, you know, not that the way that purity is explained in the Bible is saving yourself for marriage because the unity of marriage is, it's a union that God has created himself. Yep. So when we look at purity culture, it's it was at one point pointing to that, but I think it got to a point where it got off and started just pointing to don't think about sex, like sex is bad. You know, you just need to like, you yeah. need to make everything so repressed mm. that that it causes issues. And especially for guys. And yeah. not every guy has the biggest sex drive, but I'd say the majority do. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah let's talk about that purity yeah. culture and affecting uh, everybody. Yeah, it's the uh, the separation. So I think you're right. You know, purity culture culture did start off as something wonderful. Um, it's like that meme that's about from whatever video that was from, where it says, "Well, what if I want to have sex before I get married?" And she's like, "Well, I guess you just have to be prepared to die." Yeah. Like it's like it's <laughs> like that where it's we've taken it away from the misplacement of a wonderful thing used in the wrong place to the act itself is disgraceful and sinful, which is antithetical yeah. to scripture. It's antithetical to the, to, to God's design. So we started seeing people set pseudo standards of righteousness and holiness saying that, Oh, you need to wear turtlenecks. You need to wear jean skirts. You need mm -hmm. to not even touch pinkies with a boy or lest you get pregnant and become the whore of Babylon. <laughs> uh, so that's where I see the big divide that kind of happened with that. Like even when I was growing up in youth group, but I had an incredible youth pastor and he's still alive. Pastor Mitch, I love you, dude. You're incredible. Um, he handled that really well with us, but I do know some people in close association to me now who were severely affected, excuse me, um, by I kiss dating goodbye, uh, which was taught in their church. If you know anything about that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And so with the, the church as it grew in that 
I don't even know if it was based off of culture because obviously as cultures progressed, the the clothing worn has obviously also changed. But, you know, yeah. in general, that hasn't always been, you know, it's not like all of a sudden women in the late night or late 20th century decided to wear less clothes. Like that was still a thing back in Jesus time. Yeah. Yeah. Except that it was made very aware, except nowadays it was more of a, well, I just, I just want to dress like, I, I feel better about myself dressing sure. like this, you know, trying sure. to take it back for whatever, you yeah. know, modesty is acceptable. Yeah. So like, Trying to to work between the culture of that and then like the modern church and uh, private schools, especially religious private schools, yes, yes, in in like sexual education classes, uh, basically saying the abstinence or nothing uh, as mm. the the teaching point, and it's though it's it's not something I disagree with necessarily. It's one of those that's not beneficial to anybody because you're basically telling, you know, I mean, granted, a regular High school, you know, a classroom size is 20-ish kids, I think, about right. on average across the nation. So you're telling about 12 boys and 8 girls that are all sitting next to each other and have probably been around each other for the past two and a half years that whatever feelings they're having are bad and you need to hate right. that and you need to just ignore every part of it. And it's not that there shouldn't, you know, there should be a teaching point, but it's not... I don't know if it's even a sexual education point that should be made. It's more based off of you know scriptural uh, understanding. So as yeah. as you do that, I guess it really pulls away from that type of class. But at the same time, it's it's a bad point to make in that class because then they take that and they say, well, this is bad. And so either one, they're going to uh, put that on themselves, and then all of a sudden they're feeling shame about those feelings that are coming up. Right. And so it's either that or the other thing is they say, screw this, I'm just going to do it anyway. So yeah. either way, it, it doesn't help anybody because it's not pointing the identity and the, the sexual uh, understanding to the biblical basis mm-hmm. of it. So, right. Particularly at the point that we find um, where this is being taught uh, is in an in, in incredible season of what's the word? Um, uh, formidable years where, where yep. we're settling things in kids' minds and and uh, their learning habits and they're learning how we talk and I think it's a something that needs to be approached with the deepest compassion and the deepest grace um, and we need to be speaking with such wisdom um, and care that we don't come off as most of Christendom in the West has come off for a long time now come off as is. Um, the if you think about it, then you have to whip yourself in the back because you're an orthodox whatever, and um, and the fact that you even have those thoughts tells us that you're not saved, or because the end result isn't so much. It seems as though, which is completely which is complete conjecture, but it seems as though people who are in power or have been in power in the church have gotten their rocks off, so to speak, more often on the discipline rather than the loving kindness that it takes to teach such things um, and, and care and, and the openness to say, oh, dude, you messed up. Oh, you watched a little porn. Oh, man, that's terrible. But, dude, I love you. And let's walk together through this. Right. Not come up here in front of the church and let me slit your throat, son, mm-hmm. like as it has been. I don't think it's been handled the way that it should be handled. And I think that parents need to step up and quit being freaking spineless cowards half the time start teaching your kids 
and doing it loving, but you, parents are the ones that can discipline more so than anyone. So um, if it gets to that point, you have to discipline, but uh, the way that the church has handled it, I feel as though they've dropped it. As the only parent in this uh, trio, it's so much easier to uh, to use the rod than it is to give grace. It's yeah. it's very easy to just go straight to discipline, because yeah. discipline is easy. It's directives, it's commands. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I have to remind myself that my commands are not God's commands at the same time. Mm. So, yeah, it's it, yeah, it hits me every time I say it too. Mm. Um, but. That's I think good. it's important to tell you had just kind of mentioned it. I think it's important to mention, and I, I'm not going to bring it up specifically for anybody here, but uh, uh, concerning the the whole porn thing, yeah, that that's kind of tied into all this as well because that mm-hmm. has absolutely shaped and molded a lot of the male generation for the last twenty, maybe thirty. I'd say thirty at least years because yeah. there, it goes back to like even uh, Hugh Hefner and Playboy. Yep. But uh, yeah, so the the last thirty ish years has really been shaped in the male mind as sex sells, and unfortunately, it does. It's it's to the point that like if if a show has anything on it, uh, and granted, my wife and I we watch some of the more gra- I don't want to say graphic shows that sounds wrong, but like <laughs> there are shows that they're uh, Netflix. The yeah, so like Netflix shows, there's like dark and there's rain and there's a bunch of other. It's yeah, like foreign yeah. shows, but in yeah, foreign sure. foreign culture, nudity is more accepted just because they don't sexualize it nearly as much as we but do. In a, so yeah, so in America, so we see yeah. that, and so when those shows come up, yes, I still want to watch them because the content interests me. Not that yes. content, but like <laughs> right. I'll I'll watch it and then. It's usually later at night, so I'll have my glasses on, and I'll literally just take my glasses off. I'm blind as a bat without any corrective lenses, <laughs> yeah, so dude. I just don't watch it because it, it's. I know that if I even, as soon as I know a scene is even getting close to something like that, yep. glasses are off, or that's I just what, like walk away. Yep, that's what my wife and I do. It's like we watch a lot of different shows, and you know, Reacher, Mrs. Maisel. If you've ever seen Miss, you know, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, you know that there's a topless scene. It's like, oh, look away. I mean, it's it's a choice that you can make. You know what I mean? Yep. And also, you know. Rach is blind too with her glasses. She can see into the future. So it's like, <laughs> she's out there, man. So like, I don't know if she takes her glasses off much, but uh, you know, there's uh, Brandon Lake, um, a worship artist from South Carolina says like yep. he had to stop watching certain TV shows just because even though he would look away, it was just him and his wife came to like the mutual conclusion that like neither him or her should see another man's breasts or butt or woman, you know, whatever, yep. you know, it, those two. Um, so uh, porn, however, like I have my stint with it, not as bad as most people do, but, um, um, it is, it's almost like meth. It's real bad. It cuts down neurological path pathways in your brain, um, that are really hard to repair. So for those of you who are listening, think about it like this. Um, for those of you who have ever bush hogged anything or cut grass, cut your, you cut through the field, right? That's exactly what porn does in your brain. It's the easiest path to walk down when you want to walk to go pheasant hunting or something like that, or walk your trails. That's exactly what it does. And, and porn is sin. I'll say it straight out, straight out all day sin, but it is super dangerous. Um, and so I, I would urge anyone who is currently, uh, consuming any amount of porn to just repent and uh, ask for forgiveness and, and work your way out of that. Counsel with someone, talk to your pastor, talk to a friend, whoever you can trust that can disciple you on that. Anyway. 
and same thing that you said concerning the uh, uh, unnatural desires. Same thing for people who are struggling with porn. Yeah. The struggle is, I don't want to say the important part, but it's important that the struggle doesn't beat you in that. Yes. As long as you are struggling through that, there is the chance that it's going to get better because you at least recognize that it's not something you truly desire. It's something mm-hmm. that uh, very, I don't want to say innately, but uh, in our sinful being, it's something that we get drawn to. And it's not even yeah. all men. I, I don't remember. It's, yeah. Zachary, do you remember what the statistic is? Yeah, I looked it up because, uh, yes, I am still here, folks. Yeah. Hey, Zachariah. Zach, welcome, Zachariah. Weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, I'm really tired right now. Like, I got hit with like a really a wave of like just exhaustion. Right so you guys, when it's we time started. to do some cocaine. And, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> None of us didn't here we do go, drugs, didn't, just so didn't, you guys know. Yeah, we la- the first time you went on, we all felt the need to go around and, c- and uh, condemn drug use, and then Hunter yeah. felt like it was necessary to do the same. I didn't. I didn't want to feel left out. I'm yeah. usually left out. Okay. And then, and then yeah. Hunter locked himself in the bathroom for ten minutes, and we had to pause, and we didn't know what was going on. And yeah, just, so much energy when yeah. he came back. No. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so the dis- the statistics. Yes, um, I looked it up because one of the songs off of Disease, which is the album that we are currently working on. <laughs> yeah. Yes, nice. um, one of the songs uh, is about uh, pornography use and the lack of discussion about it within the church. Mm, okay. And I was shocked. I, I knew it was high, but it was like 94% of males in the U.S. Um, admitted to porn use within the last like six months and like 86 percent of women yeah 86 percent of women and you know what I, the, you know what the stats are in the church bro just much in the church 82 percent of men yeah that includes Jeez. pastors and ministers and yeah. it's 40 i can't remember 43 or 44 percent was the last time i looked this was last year of women in the church also consume uh, uh pornography in in large large doses um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's a horrible thing, uh, but it, it, it's not. A, see, there's this shame associated with it because, like, in in those of you who do this, will ha- understand this. That you do it, you feel good, you feel gratified, you scratch the itch, and then you walk away from it feeling dirty and full of shame. Mm-hmm. And then, after all that's been uh, played out in your mind and in your heart, you feel like you might be somehow the only one that's walking through through that with you. But as Zachariah just said, was at 92, 96% yeah, of the U S like yeah. of men, was- my goodness, which also leads me to the point of you cannot be a cultural Christian and a biblical Christian at the same time. Mm-hmm. So think about that. We've made things culturally acceptable just because the culture accepts it. Think about Rome, pederasty, all this stuff, the really horrible stuff. Um, just because culture says it's okay doesn't mean that scripture is going to change on it, which also means that the amount of grace that God is willing to pour into you over such a thing, whatever it might be, hasn't changed either. There's nothing new under the sun. Scripture says that, and I really feel like I'm supposed to say this, scripture says that his love is, that no one can calculate the width of his love, the depth, they can't measure it. It's outside of comprehension completely outside of comprehension. So imagine yourself on the earth, then zoom out. You're on a rock floating in space. And then we have the observable universe 
zoom out again like you're on Google Earth, right? Even that, that width of the observable universe, is it, you can't, it doesn't even measure up to the love that God has for you. So if you're scared of him over that sin, uh, don't be. Um, you should be if you don't repent, but you don't have to be if you want to approach the throne with boldness. But we must repent. So I just wanted to add that in there. Sorry, yeah, guys. That's an important clarification, and I know we're great on staying on topic here. Um, but the difference between shame and conviction. Mm. The Spirit will convict you. The Spirit does not bring shame. Yes. So if you feel shameful, that's that's yourself or even the devil trying to tell you that you're not worthy. Yeah. And by our, by our own uh, works, no, you're right, we're not worthy. But luckily for us, it's not about our works, it's about the work of Christ. That's right. That's right. So because he already did all that, mm-hmm. that shame <clears throat> is not of him. It's not of anything that you need to be a part of. Get rid of the shame. Come before God. You know, I, and I'm just going to be straight up honest. I've been somebody who's dealt with this. Uh, I've dealt with this for a long time concerning the addiction. And it's, it's something that has nearly messed up my marriage. It's something that's troubled previous relationships, which I wasn't exactly the most Christian about either. So... When it when I'm talking about this, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've been there, and I'm, it's not super recent, but it's recent enough that my mind still plays out all the issues of it because I I understand it that intimately. Um, yeah. But yeah. when you when you uh, look at those things and you. I don't even know how to say it without making this an explicit <laughs> episode. But like when when you do that act as, you know, as somebody who's viewing pornography and then you walk away from it like Keebler said, it's it scratches that itch, but then you all of a sudden have that overwhelming shame feeling just like I'm so dirty, there's nothing that I could do to be better than this. Like why do I keep struggling with, with yeah. this like I I felt like God took it away, you know, it had been months or it had been a year or whatever and it just randomly came back kind of thing. But when that moment comes, that's exactly when God wants you to to just yes. stop what you're doing, stop telling yourself that it's not it's not worth it to go to him or that he's not going to forgive you this time or whatever. That's not him talking. It's just not. Yep. Do not let him right. say things that he's not saying. Amen. So Amen. What do you got on that, Zechariah? I was actually going to uh view the the point of Everyone within the church, not everyone, but so many people, especially men within the church, you said like 82%, which I didn't specifically look up statistics of people within the church, just the U.S. in general. And when you look at it being you know 94% or whatever, you can take a guess that, you know, 50% of people in the U.S. are in the church and you want to say 100% of the people not in the church are doing it, then that still leaves, you know. <laughs> 80 yeah. some percent within yeah. the church so and uh it's in my church there is a uh support group i suppose for men struggling with uh porn addiction and it's it's all uh nobody knows who's in the group except the people in the group if you want they don't even know who leads it <laughs> Um, if you want to be in the group, you have to talk to one of the pastors specifically and they'll get you in touch with the leader of the group and stuff. And um, I I hate to have to say it, but I was a part of that group for a while. Yeah. Um, and there were 
eight to ten people in that group, which I remember thinking, like, there's, I don't even know how many members there are in the church, but on any given Sunday, there's 300 people in that church. There should be a whole lot more than <laughs> mm-hmm. 10 people in that support group, you know? Yeah. Which I, I would like to speak to the fact that you have a support group that you had. Yes. I don't know if have or had. I think it's extremely important to let anyone know if anything that we talk about today, which is a really rough subject. And I realize that, guys. Um, so if you're still with us, thank you. I hope you can glean um, and learn something from this. But to have a support group, you know, scripture tells us to confess our sins to one another. That's not going to the church and saying, Oh, Father, forgive me. And he's like, You're going to have to slam six Red Bulls and do 16 laps and you'll be forgiven. <laughs> like, that's not what it's talking about. What it's ta- because if I go to Hunter, right? Hunter and I haven't known each other that long, or Zachariah, right? We've known of each other for a long time because we're both in really incredible bands. So why don't you guys search Blue Fire Horizon and Collapse Revive? Shameless plug. <laughs> Um, new music coming out soon. Um, but if I, I, I know because Hunter is a Christian, even though Hunter and I disagree on a few different things inside of Christendom, I know he loves Jesus. I know he loves Yahweh. So I can call him and say, and I I would do this say, Hey man, I'm dealing with this. There's a weight off of my chest. Now he's going to carry my burden with with me and we're going to go to the Lord about it and we can walk through it together. So like when we confess to one another, it actually softens the blow of our struggle, which is the ointment of the anointed. So uh, which all of us are anointed in some way or another. So community support, it is so incredibly important, incredibly important. Something I want to point out, um, Mm -hmm. bring up too, uh, about, you know, going to your brother, carrying the, the burden together and stuff is that, uh, Every male in my immediate family, my dad, myself, all of my brothers, we all have the same software on all of our electronic devices. And we each have different accountability partners, whoever that may be. But if I were to uh, go on my phone right now and let's just say visit some unsavory websites, I have a partner that would immediately get notified, hey, uh, this guy's doing stupid things over here. Right. Like, don't do that. You know, (laughs) that sounds like covenant eyes. That's one. That's not the one that we use. Um, my brother did some research, and basically, while Covenant Eyes does a good job, there are some a few ways around it if you really wanted to. The one that we use is just called Accountable to You. Right, so, and I would like, and I like that, but I would like to say right now that we're not going to talk about how to get around it because we don't want to give everybody ammunition. Right, yeah, we are not no, going no, no, to do that. Nope. <laughs> no, I, but no, no cheat codes here. No yeah. cheat codes. You remember the game sharp? shark discs oh yeah pop in dude and you're like right r1 r2 left down right up left down right up dude i I copied so many pokemon in my games yeah dude i just want to just before we close out this topic i just want to uh uh read a couple of statistics um that i had found from uh, missionaryfrontiers.org about pornography so over 40 million americans are regular visitors to pornography websites the average visit lasts about six minutes and 30 seconds Number two, there are around 42 million porn websites, which totals around 370 million pages. The porn industry annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB combined. So there's a really big issue. Um, and, and so let's say that you don't consume. I can say confidently that I do not consume pornography. Not for a long time. 
but I still have a responsibility to pray. So in the last episode that I was in, I was urging people to pray when we talked about the, uh, the Ukraine and Russia mm. issue and the conflict that is going on. So if, if you have dealt with this um, and you've prayed for yourself, pray for others. Um, you don't need to know their name um, and you don't need to know where they live or what they do, but just pray. So I just wanted to read some statistics to just show how ridiculous that is. There's 370 million pages of pornography, right? And those yeah. of us who have consumed know that those are videos most of the time. Um, there's That's just about one page for every American in the continent right now. And to have an annual revenue that's billions a year, this is awful. That, that's an epidemic. It's what it is. Yep. Um, but there is grace. There is freedom. Um, and sin is so much worse when you accept it and when you make concessions in your faith um, and in your walk with God to do those things, try to hide those things. Now, that's the difference between besetting and willful sin. Besetting is the thing that you struggled with. Willful is the thing you choose to do with full knowledge that you know that it's a sin. Um, so if you are struggling, it's okay to struggle, struggle. Well, you have an option. You can struggle horribly or you can struggle well. Um, so walk with Christ through the struggle. So rather than ending on a rough note, let's, uh, yeah. let's go on to, uh, I guess additional really, uh, mm -hmm. talking about the sexual abuse and, uh, misconduct of, of people in the church and, you know, I guess otherwise. So, uh, one of the most... I guess well-known examples at the current moment would be the Ravi Zacharias yes. situation. Yes. And uh, it's, I think it blew up. Granted, I'm going to say this because I said this online, so it's not an opinion that I, I only hold in one spot. Please never watch or read or anything from the Roy's report from Julie Roy's because she is just looking to burn everything. She a heresy hunter? Yeah. Okay. And and I'm I'm not saying that you shouldn't call out heresy. Absolutely. I'm I would be the, on the front line of that. Of course. But at the same time, John Calvin I'm, would be mad at you if you didn't. Yeah. I know. Like it's I was that's what I'm here for. I'm predestined. But <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like at the same time, I I don't think that that is beneficial in any way. Like right. it's it's it, almost on par with the Westboro Baptist Church with Ugh. the whole signs that we were talking about earlier that have shame on you Westboro very, shame yeah, on very you. terrible names for people struggling with homosexuality. But like yeah, don't don't go to her site or anything that their reporters write or whatever. Um but the reason why I bring that up is because she was the one who basically took this on and obviously a lot of places reported on it but uh she took the time to really just put Ravi Zacharias on blast granted yeah. this was after he died right so he passed away and then just fully destroyed anything and any uh credibility that he had left from right. uh all of his teachings and this was a very intelligent man this guy had oh, a lot of fantastic things to share unfortunately he was one of my favorites and yeah I he was one of my favorites, and I and I still implore people to please uh, follow RZIM, um, which was yep. Ravi Zachariah uh, Ministries. Um, it is now headed um, by uh, Michael Ramsden, um, and the team there have uh, issued in extensive apologies. They didn't know. In fact, Ravi was really smart, uh, so he hid things really well. They didn't know, um, and they were forced into certain things back in the day 
um, through NDAs with uh, with Ravi Zacharias. So don't demonize David because of Saul necessarily. Yeah. Um, Michael Ramsden is a wonderful man of God. And for those of you who are listening, he is an a-, a traditional Anglican. So if you want a little bit more of that traditional orthodoxy, he is a wonderful thinker um, and he has taken over the ministry. So I just wanted to put that in there because yeah. I-, I don't think that we should like kill people because of something somebody else did in their organization. Yeah, throwing throwing the baby out with the bathwater makes absolutely no sense. Granted, if if he right. ever had any topic that he spoke on concerning sexual, you know, you know not misconduct, but uh, the correct way to, you know, whatever, I feel like that would really harm that teaching. But uh, in other cases, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying he had anything wrong in that case necessarily. It could He's very much. Sure. It's just harder to stomach, you know, concerning the. Um, yeah. But you can't you can't just say because something or because somebody sinned, now anything that they have to say is just out of the question. Because if that was the case, we can get rid of Psalms. You yeah. know, we we can get rid of anything uh, that Paul wrote yep. because Paul yeah, talks anything. about the thorn. So it, Paul had a thorn that he tried to have God take away from him. So that means get rid of all that. Um, yep. Solomon, get rid of anything he wrote. Get rid of like, most of the women in the lineage of Jesus. If you look yeah. at it, a lot of those women were prostitutes. Yeah, so like pretty much the entire Bible. And I mean, obviously you don't see much about it, but I would say even right. Job, we don't hear about what Job did sin-wise, but get rid of it because oh. he's a man. Yeah, He's not exactly. Jesus. Right, so exactly. There goes uh, all of Scripture except for the fact that it's, you know, by the Spirit. Um, right. So the teachings... Granted, I'm not saying teachings of man are on par with Scripture. Please do not hear that. Um, <laughs> but like when a when a theologian or a, a pastor is teaching on things, you can't just say, because he sinned, get rid of all of it. It yeah. doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. It doesn't that work like Yeah, you're right. That may, reminded me, um, if anyone has seen the show Scrubs, which <laughs> I love that show, but not necessarily. Anyway, um, there's uh, an episode. <laughs> there's an episode where um, there's a... a drug counselor right and he's you know has this class and it's someone that the people in this hospital have dealt with this guy before and his drug Mm -hmm. addiction and issues and stuff and um one of the doctors there is absolutely convinced this guy's still doing drugs he's not you know he's not reformed he's not changed he's still you know the same deceptive drug addict he always was and one of the other guys asked him well why do you let him continue to teach this class he's like because drug addicts know the best way to reach drug addicts because right. they're going through it themselves. Yep. You know? And so not that like, if we know a pastor or a leader in the church is sinning and, you know, yep. doing all these things that we should continue to uh, allow them to be in that leadership position, because that's not what I'm saying. But what Hunter said, you know, take his teachings. You yep. There's still wisdom to be learned from there. Take it with an extra grain of salt, you mm-hmm. know, and, Mm-hmm. A little bit extra discernment, if that makes sense. Right. But that doesn't mean that just because he struggled with something, that doesn't mean that he all of his teaching is, you know, Null and void. complete garbage now. Right, right, exactly. And I would add to this, um, you say that, 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 so you're talking about the disqualification or the eligibility um, to be in uh, leadership or ministry of, of, of any extent. And I would yep. agree with that point. Now, if you're somebody like Todd Bentley, um, who I believe that once was called to the ministry, who has, uh, he was in the charismatic front for all of you listening. I am a charismatic, right? 
Uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, uh, was severely annoyed at flags and tambourines and obsessive shofar blowing <laughs> um, like the rest of us. But I'm on what you consider, and I will gladly credit Remnant Radio f- uh, for this term. I am a cautious charismatic. Um, Todd Bentley uh, did lead some revivals, did see some healings. But through time, he has lied about um, since the start of about 2009, would lie about uh, raising people from the dead in Africa um and he has several affairs he in fact he left his wife to to marry the woman that she had an he had an affair with uh in the during the during the lakeland revival uh, in lakeland florida in 2013 was sat down by rick joiner morningstar ministries um and uh which you should do i think that if if a pastor does find himself in sin he should sit down for a time seek counseling and discipleship and that's a good way to go about it and then he did it again so then he was sat down again and then he did it again right as recent as 2019 um he did it again such a person i think after such a time according to scripture after being brought before um, a witness and before the church should be expelled from the church Um, So there is a time where it comes that somebody who is in leadership, who deals with a multitude of sins, particularly sexual misconduct, because that's what we're talking about, should be removed from the church if they do not completely repent of it. Because what does repent mean? We're going to use a 1998 term from Sunday school. It means to turn 180 degrees and walk away. Right. You guys remember that one? Oh, yeah. Um, So like that's and, and do I think that Todd is saved? I do. But do I think he's following his flesh? Yes. And, and, and we're not going to get into the conversation of can you or can you not lose your salvation? But just to as a addition to what you were saying, Zechariah, um, about someone who does fully repent um, of something. But in a case of Ravi Zacharias, I think if he would have been found out, um, well, he was still alive, which he almost was. But there was a non-disclosure agreements in play with the, the Thompson family. Yeah. Um, um, that allowed people not to talk about it because he forced them into it and he paid their yearly salaries through the ministry's money. And this is not to dog on Christian or Christ. It's yep. to dog on people who handle things incorrectly. If Ravi would have been found out um, before, he would have been disqualified from ministry. He would have been. Uh, but that doesn't mean to disqualify his teachings. Um, because he, it, the man was really smart. He really was. And I'm kind of on the fence with this because I love his stuff. I've read almost all of his books, um, but my heart grieves at what he did. Um, so um, I agree with you, Z- uh, Zachariah, but I also say in a case like Ted, Todd, Todd Bentley um, that he should be removed. Um, not only that, but as of recent, he has been, which is for another topic, um, bastardizing and prostituting the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even for that, I would set him down if I was his pastor. I think the common commonality here between yeah. uh, the pastoral situation and even just the individual situation is accountability. Oh my gosh, because, Mars Hill, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. when yeah, so like when Ravi Zacharias, when his board is the only group of people that he has to answer to by any means, and even that was minimal at mm-hmm. best. Um, or like Mark Driscoll when he doesn't, you know, when he can just up and leave and start a new church and all that and not have to face the board of elders or whoever else is in charge that oversees the pastor and his conduct. When that isn't in place, it's the same as if 
you know, if I, if uh, Zachariah was my accountability person and I was constantly sinning and he knew it and granted we're in a band together, he would have no choice but to tell me, you got to take a step out of the band. You can't keep doing this. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's just, yeah, we, I mean, we've talked about this concerning many things that if things were to come up for any of us, we would ask the person to sit out. Of course. uh, We've had that conversation in Collab Survive with some members, and I won't throw any of them under the bus, but thank God they were just as broken over their sin as we were. Yeah. So, and Um, that's the thing. We want, we want to keep that accountability. So when we, of course have that uh, relationship with each other. Zachariah has no issue, or I have no issue with telling him, hey, that was dumb. We're going to stop doing that. Otherwise, things are going to get real bad. Right. Um, so, But when you don't have that accountability, if I didn't have that, and Zachariah had no option but to just kick me out of the band, it would be for my best. But unfortunately, on my side, I don't see it as that. I just see it as, well, he just doesn't agree with me or whatever. You know, if I'm right. really being, if I'm being bullheaded about my sin and what what's right yeah. and what's wrong Combative, kind of thing. defensive. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, for anybody who knows me, that would never happen anyway. <laughs> not that I'm not stubborn at times, but uh, I know how stupid I can be. So, right. Right. But, and we, we all have a, a, a... We're all predisposed to stupidity, it seems. Yeah. Um, all so, but my wife. She's perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, she, she might be sleeping. I, I don't know. Oh, I was going to say, I hope she heard that. <laughs> she heard, she said, I heard yeah. that. <laughs> um, you know, um, gosh, guys, I. You take it where you got to go, Keebler. Man, sin is, is a huge issue, but the weight of sin does not outweigh the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Yep. It does not, and uh, that's the beauty of the gospel. And and I'm I'm sitting here seeing two beautiful bearded men who have walked through hard things in their life. They've shared things with me previously off of recording where it says that you know what they are just like me. They hurt just like me. They struggle just like me. And uh, and so I would, out of anything we talked about today. Uh, on this podcast, I would just say that again, Jesus is the answer. Mm-hmm. He is the answer. And uh, if I didn't run to him with what I had, I would still be living in the same depravity, to use a Calvinist word, uh, to, uh, living in the same hurt, fear, shame, um, and emotional patterns thought patterns, all of this, if I didn't run to Jesus and boldly approach the throne, uh, there is nothing that can outweigh his love for you. Um, So I know that all of us in this uh, chat right now that we play some pretty heavy music, and I would wager that maybe Blue Fire Horizon is a little heavier than Class Revive (laughs) at times, um, because some of your guys' riffs are absolutely nasty. Um, but like we, when we approach these things, like don't be afraid to just crumble before the weight of the presence of God. It's okay. Um, and I don't know why I feel like I need to say that. I know it's a little off topic, but um, it's okay to be broken and contrite before the Lord. In fact, that's what he wants. So be broken. Mm-hmm. But the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it He's, Jesus said, it is better that I leave um, th- than for me to stay. And why did he say that? Because he was going to send something even better, his spirit. And that's a first and foremost comforter. Uh, so remember that. So let's run to add yeah. that. 
at my church, we've been going through Ephesians, and we mm-hmm. actually just ended today. And uh, so we got to talk about the armor of God. So I just wanted to read this really quickly because it's what I shared with uh, with my congregation this morning. Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And it, that's important to note, his might, not your strength, his. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Like, underline that. Bring out your Bible. Underline that. Yep. Not a, not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, not the people. These are these are just the, the offices. Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the yes. spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. That's right. So, again, standing firm on Christ's might and power, yes. not yours. Yes. So. Amen. Amen. Zachariah, what do you got? Anything to add? Not really. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to give you a fair shot. I, I see that a hunter and I talk a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> if I have something to add, I interrupt and interject. Okay. So uh, just I to, agree with what you were to, saying. To wrap all of this up, I think the best thing to be coming back to was we talked about it obviously throughout all of this, but sexual identity, but as yes. it, as it concerns God's will for our lives and and what what it looks like to be Christ-like, yes. and yet having a sexual nature because it's part of who we are. Yep. Um. So, let I don't. Do we really talk enough about it, or do we want to still talk about the um, the Christ-like? Uh, version of i guess sexual love within even a marriage or otherwise of course let's let's throw a few minutes on that because i did want to get to that and if you don't yeah. mind i would like to speak yeah. on that for a second go, go ahead okay so um there is a a friend of mine by the name of matt mckay i am a mckay and the way that uh i met matt was uh he found me on facebook probably 10 years ago he lives in england my family's from uh ancient families from scotland and uh, he added me, and uh, he's like, you love Jesus, you love metal, we're going to be friends. We've been really good friends ever since. Uh, check out his band, Meet Your Maker. Um, I've actually been involved in producing stuff for them, so it's really, really good. Um, he told me in 2013, we were on the phone, and he goes, he goes, bro, he goes, don't be ashamed because God gave you a sexual drive. And I'm like, really? So he explained it to me. He's like, this is a wonderful thing. God gave this to you. Uh, but it's to be used and utilized in the confines of marriage, which, mm-hmm. guys, there is a difference. And I'm just freshly married, right? I got married August 28th, 2021. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I, many, many years ago, I did whatever I wanted to catch my j- drift. There is a difference between sex and making love. Yep. Huge difference. It's wonderful. It's it's in in my eyes, it's almost an act of worship because it's in right time and right place with what the Lord has set up. So just because you have an urge, just because you desire it, does not make it sin. It's what you do with it that will decide that one way or another. Yep. Uh, my wife and I just celebrated our f- uh, fifth anniversary this last Thursday. So five years of being married, and we really didn't date much prior to that. We got married pretty quickly. I dated, so. I dated Rachel for five years. <laughs> I mean, so 
our situation, and I'll just be completely honest, what ended up happening was we started dating after meeting at Life Fest, which was our, the Christian okay. festival. Yeah, uh, here Life in Fest was supposed to play it last year. Yeah. Loser. Anyway. What? <laughs> you could have been there and met us before all this, and you yeah, could have actually COVID, been. bro. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, well, we met there, and then uh, obviously our relationship wasn't uh, the most Christ-like, and so... When her mom decided to move because of living situations from Appleton, which is about 40 minutes north of here, to about two and a half hours north of there, uh, the other option was that uh, my now wife moved down by us. But that meant then living in a house with her, which immediately set off red flags for me. I'm like, something's got to, like, yeah. I Cohabitation is so, a big no-no. Yeah, you don't so, get to try it before you buy it. Yeah, so I I talked with uh, my worship director at the time, and uh, he didn't suggest that I sit out or anything, but he said, "What are you know like What are your plans?" And I said, "Well, we're getting married as soon as possible." And so our our day of getting married was literally the six month mark after her divorce was finalized with her ex husband, which was by legal standards the earliest it could have been. Yeah. So that was that's how we did that, and. Yeah, I'm not gonna say we made it perfect. You know, I I didn't I didn't succeed in any way. I failed very very often, unfortunately. But uh, luckily, I was uh, now well now I'm married to her, and five years in, uh, that part of it, you know, obviously I I don't feel shame about it now. But it was definitely something that I struggled with as a worship leader back then. Um, but uh, yeah, carrying even previous relationships where I I failed into that really affected that situation too. But I, I mentioned the marriage thing because it's, it's very different. It's not just to be completely blunt. Sex outside of marriage is just not, not what God intended. And I'm not going to ever suggest it, but I hope you'll take my word for it. It's not worth it. Just don't do it. Yep. I mean, you, it's not even worth it with the person that you're going to be marrying. Just wait. It's going to happen. I can guarantee you it's going to happen. But yeah, the early thing is just not worth it. There's no reason. And I, yeah, well, I mean like, well, we know we're going to get married. No. Well, we know that we're, no. we're not never going to leave it. No. no, no, no. Right. Right. I didn't, I did not give the, you know, like I didn't say, well, I guess if no, no, that's not what I said. So that's not what God said. <laughs> something that I kind of chuckled at. I don't even remember who did the study, but a study was just published and it was from a, a secular source, not even a, a Christian company or anything like that. But I chuckled at it. I'm like, ha, huh, man, it's almost like we've known this forever. But uh, it said like, you know, the prevailing thought for the last 30 years or whatever is like, you know, try cohabitating first and, you know, make sure you're a fit and then get married. And so you'll know that the relationship is stronger and it's more likely to last, right? And they published this study that, you know, that's true, they said, you know, but there's an exception and it's people that got married young and I don't remember what cutoff they used for quote-unquote young and never cohabitated with anyone before getting married were like 20% less likely to end end in divorce. I'm like, wow, yeah. it's almost like that's what God told us to do. And yeah. that's why it works. I think it was sub 25. I yeah. think that's what it was. I so remember seeing sense. that, but, uh, yeah. yeah, 
It's man, it's like God told us this. Whoa. I know. Whoa. Okay, cessationist. Getting a little giddy here, aren't we? Man, I mean I didn't say he spoke directly to me. That's not what I right, said. Right, right, I know. I know. I just wanted to pick on you guys. If you guys are listening to this, you're getting sick of my jokes. Well, suck it up, Buttercup, because <laughs> yeah. these jokes are what make this this merry-go-round go round. And uh, Hunter and I are on it all the time now. It seems. Yeah, we we <laughs> live on the merry-go-round now. <laughs> no, it's it's good to note that though, because obviously, as things progress uh, in time, relative to time, uh, not otherwise. Uh, it seems that the you know the precepts that God had put forth are true. I yeah, mean, even what? just natu- by natural. Wow. No I don't want to say, I don't want to promote natural revelation, but even by natural revelation, what God has done and set forth is just coming to to be, you know, the logical answer, which makes you know it questions all earthly knowledge and everything that every progressive you know. Yep scientist christian whatever else is trying right. to say like well this is the new thing like no 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 like by natural standards this is how it should be and yes. these are the results we're getting and right. it points back to that and back whether to- that makes you a christian then or not you know by by leading you to faith great right. you know if it does that's right. fantastic but you know knowledge isn't necessarily the the basis of faith so it's not going to mm-hmm. be the thing that necessarily leads right. you there unless but the spirit knowledge can has. be a bridge yeah. to faith and yep. what does scripture say, Hunter? The only way through to the Father is through predestination. Oh, predestination. Sorry. You know, I was going to make the joke. But I, was like, I think we've had enough for the day. <laughs> the only way through to, to the Father is through the reservation list, and you're not on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but for real, through Jesus. Um, so even, yeah. even, you know, this is way off topic, but even simply, space exploration is pointing to the existence of God. If we look in Job, we see that God said, before time began, I stretched the heavens. And if we, mm-hmm. we actually have pictures from space telescopes from uh, 15 billion light years away, which is 15 billion year old image. And then we have an 8 billion year old image. Yep. And in the 15, there's these cluster of galaxies really close to one another. And in the 8, they're stretched apart. So, like, the more we look into things, we see the wonder of God and the mystery of God. Everything will eventually point back to him, including our psychology, our medicine, our, our, our astrophysics, our everything will point yeah. back to him. So, yes, and amen to what you're saying. When Scripture says that uh, if nobody will will praise God that even the rocks will cry out to him. That, that was something that, and it's, it's something that I try to grasp, especially as a worship leader, because, you know, worship isn't just music, but it's what I do. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it gets that title. Um, But the rocks crying out when nobody else will is the same as, you know, medicine pointing to God is the same as space exploration pointing to God. It's when, when man refuses to worship the creator of all, that which he has created will worship him anyway. Right, right. And, oh my gosh, yes. Uh, stars pulsate. Where Whales will sing a song. All of these different things. Then we have these incredible things called humans uh, that, that <laughs> pop up from time to time. Uh, and we have a song. 
And I can't express to you, this is, I'm going to let you guys in a little secret when it comes to the praising of God, because I won't let the rocks cry out, but if the rocks are going to sing, I'll lead them in worship. But when I'm on stage, one of the things that I, I want the most in my life is that us metal musicians, uh, we get really sweaty and, and, and this simple <laughs> childlike prayer that I've prayed for a lot of years being in bands was God, even if my sweat hits someone, would that be enough for your Holy spirit to fall on them, to convict them? Would you use me as an alabaster jar to be filled up and to be poured out? And this is my worship song. Like all these things that are right. My EP, R E P, R E P, because that's the way my guitarist want me, wants me to say it. R E P, insert communist meme. Um, is uh, a lot of that was my struggle, right, with faith, uh, my struggle with sin. Now our new stuff is a prophetic declaration, but it's also worship. And may his name be glorified. And I think what a privilege it is for us to be able to still, yet in our sin, be saved and to glorify him all the more. Wow. Yep. I can't wrap my mind around it. So all of that to tie back in yeah. that our identity is not found in in the vocation that we are are gifted with or that uh that God gives us the aptitude for. Our our identity isn't found in the relationships that we have with one another, though that points to God in his relational uh being as the Trinity, as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. Um there are a lot of things that we will cling to as people, whether it's sexual identity or if it's, you know, everything else that we do, the the skills that we have, you know, us as musicians, as guitarists, as vocalists. If we want to say that, you know, because of our skill that we, by nature, are a guitarist, if God were to take that away, do we still have Christ? So... Right. Right, exactly. So think about it. And I dealt with this too, because I deal with a pretty severe uh, physical illness, but not only what I do, but a physical illness. And uh, so I look at it like this. Um, I am not my sickness. I'm mm -hmm. a son. I'm a son. Um, um, and also that what we do, what we have the aptitude for, or the gifting for, or the talent for, whatever language you want to choose, is, a, is not who you are, but a product of who he is in you is yeah. an extension of his heart. So what we do with our talents should be done. Excellent. Excellently. We should hone our craft and we should do this, but it's not who we are. It's a, it's a product of who we are. Um, and I think that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. So I hope other people will learn from that as well. I think we should, uh, wrap up here. I, I shared this with Keebler. Um, it's something that my pastor had actually said, and uh, you should have seen the faces of the people in, in the services, especially our, our 8 o'clock, which is a traditional service when he said this. Um, so he said, there's no such thing as a gay Christian in heaven, but there's also not, no such thing as a straight Christian in heaven. That's right. There's no such thing as a Lutheran Christian in heaven or a Baptist Christian in heaven. We or are all just... Christian in heaven. I know. I mean... <laughs> Unless they're predestined. To but for yeah, real. I mean, Arminians will be in heaven because Calvinists are right, so it's fine. Well, but <laughs> yet to be seen. I'll, you and I will go before Yahweh when we're yeah. dead, and we're going to talk about it. And then when I find out that I'm right, I'm going to punch you in the face because <laughs> it's not going to hurt because it's heaven, right? <laughs> I, I'm counting on that. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, the point is that these labels that we have on ourselves or that we have on each right. other, um, if we have the faith that is given to us by Christ, according to Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 10, then these labels mean nothing. And in fact, identifying with them is useless right. because our identity apart from Christ and Christ only means nothing. So right. it, it gives us division right. on this world. And yeah, I mean, there are some things like Keebler and I going back and forth on Calvinism versus Arminianism or or whatever else, or cessationism versus uh, the continuationism, stuff like that. There are things that help people understand, okay, well, this is what they believe based on what Scripture teaches. That doesn't, I mean, most of those things aren't, they're not uh, break the bank kind of stuff. So I'm not like saying that Tertiary Jesus was just issues. a good guy. Yeah. So if I said Jesus was just a good guy, I hope everybody here would punch I, me in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which also brings me to this point to saying there, there are no uh, insert um, um, identity claim or yep. description of person in heaven. Um, when I get to heaven being a continuationist, I have no need for prophecy. I have yep. no need for healing. I have no need for anything, but you're going to bet your bottom dollar. You're going to find me at the foot of the throne, still singing holy, holy. Um, but it's like there's, we are just simply his. That mm -hmm. was the point, right? Yep. Yes, absolutely. That I was going to get there eventually, I promise. So Sorry, geez. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, heaven's just simple. I, I mean, you don't have to complicate it by right. adding in all these crazy earthly ideas. So. Right. Like, um, I would strongly warn everyone who was listening to this podcast to completely disregard anything Kat Kerr has to say. Because according to her, cows drive, cat, uh, cows drive tractors and there is jello kingdoms in heaven. Um, as she says, she has visited there multiple times a week for the last 40 years. So don't listen to what she has to say. We don't have to overcomplicate things. I think she should just write a book. I do yeah. hope there's Taco Tuesday, but that's I, not you important. You know what? If they're good tacos, because there's a restaurant down in Marine City where I live, by me where I live, that has 50 Cent Taco Tuesday, and they're awful. It tastes oh. like cigarettes, butter. It's gross. <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to say it's great, because I was like, I'll, I'll meet you there. But All right, <laughs> never mind. fly out here for that. <laughs> anyway. So... Yeah, th ultimately, we are Christ's, and right. uh, the the things that you feel about the struggle, mm -hmm. don't let the struggle be your identity. Right. Your identity is not the struggle. Your identity is not shame. Your identity is not regret. If you feel convicted, that's the spirit. Don't ignore that. Right. But if it's if it's something that is straight from Scripture and you disagree with it, I have bad news for you. Uh, so just take scripture at at exactly what it is test it against every, you know test everything that you see against scripture and test everything that you hear from your pastor against the word right. itself as well right. so that when you have these struggles that you have the right word in front of you absolutely you know and i would like to add uh before we close this out i think that every time on i'm on here um that i, I just want to make sure that people understand that there is never a better opportunity than now to give your mm. life to Christ. Yeah. And it's not because I'm about to ask you to give to, uh, to financially support blue fire horizon or collapse revive or the podcast. Uh, but there's never a better time than now. Um, so if you feel convicted, if you feel the pull of the grace of God, just run towards him. You can message me Hunter or Zachariah or any of our bands that we are yeah. in. Um, and I'm sure 
I'm positive that we will call you and we will talk you through it. Um, it, our lines are open. I will speak for you for this because that's our job. We are called to evangelize. So, um, I want, so if you want to come to Christ, call me on Facebook, I will lead you to him. Stop running. It's okay. And don't let your struggle be the thing that puts a block up between you and love, the fierce love of God, the father. There it is, folks. (laughs) That's all folks. (laughs) Amen. All right. Song is up next here. God bless, guys. You can help support us by heading over to anchor.fm forward slash TWIE pod and clicking on the donate button where you can select one of a few monthly donation rates of $1, $5, or $10. All money helps keep this podcast up and running, as well as supports lesser known Christian artists. Thank you for listening, and God bless.